Welcome back. Welcome back to the Cat Sounds Podcast. I am Brian McCauley, your host, as usual. This week... Uh, um, I would like to start by sharing my message for the class of 2020, which graduated this week or next. I don't know. I mean, they're around now. It's June, right? The people who are graduating high school as we speak. Congratulations to the class of 2020. Your graduation does not mean anything and you will soon forget it. Your journey to adulthood has involved meeting a lot of people along the way. Though some you've probably known nearly all your life and consider them your inseparable permanent friends. That is wrong. These people will soon fade from your life very quickly and almost completely. In your mind, they're going to become a conflagration of their online activity and sporadic text to you until your memory of them has become so diluted you wouldn't even recognize them on the street. Not that it'll matter, because you are almost certain to wind up in drastically far apart locations. If the world is at all just and you can manage to flee permanently the awful, boring places in the world from which you hail. Okay, that's all. That's that whole thing. I'm so tired of getting emails. Uh, For months I have been getting emails. Actually, for longer than that, I've been getting emails since at least 1995. Maybe even 1994, but the ones recently are different. First, I heard from any company I had ever provided my email address to that they cared about me not getting COVID-19 or that they cared about me if I had it or if I I should get it. They cared. Uh, I was not curious. I don't need to know. Um, But that's nothing compared to lately. Uh, Now, pretty much anyone I've ever crossed paths with, any organization, I should say, has gone to great pains to inform me that they are not racist. They are progressive on issues of social justice. And I have to tell you about this also. I was not curious. Um, Now, mind you, I don't want to do business with any racists. I don't want any association with any racists whatsoever, and I make it a point to avoid them. I find their retrograde views despicable. But the approach I take to these things is that I I never know. Um, When I go in a restaurant and somebody serves me, even if this is a restaurant that has already sent me one of these emails, you know, say it's Applebee's. It's got to be Applebee's. Uh, So right now, I'm going to read you a statement from Applebee's dated June 5th. Quote, We are working hard to make our restaurants a place where we unite communities, not divide them. At Dine Brands, Applebee's and IHOP, we are developing programs to assist black leaders in the company, in the restaurants, and throughout our franchise community. But we want to do more. And we will. It is our responsibility to listen, learn, and to advocate for the black community 
and our colleagues who serve their neighborhoods every day. We will do our part. Uh, signed, Steve Joyce, CEO, Dine Brands, and uh, also the presidents of IHOP and Applebee's individually have signed this statement. Uh, so I appreciate that. Eating good in the neighborhood is for everybody at Applebee's. Throw in our famous riblets now, honey, barbecue style, and you'll know why. It's got to be Applebee's. I think this is a good thing. But say I go in there and I sit down, um, you know, and I, I, the server comes to greet me and to take my drink order. How do I know that my server is not a racist? I can ask, but I imagine that these days racists know that they should say no to that question. If I ask point blank, um, I'm trying to think of a question other than, are you a racist? So that, that seems rather obvious, but um, whatever the question, I think they know that they should say no. Actually, I know that for a fact because I have known racist people and sometimes they really surprise you. You get in like a car with somebody you've known from work for a while and they say some insanely racist shit. Like this is the first time um, that you've been in a conversation with this person where like it was just you and them and no customer is going to overhear you or something. And they say like some like bonkers shit. Um, this has not happened to me in a long time, uh, but it did used to happen frequently or not frequently, but uh, I can remember a number of occasions happened in high school for sure happened to me after that. And I don't mean like somebody tells an off color joke, so to speak, uh, or is that an on color joke? Because it's a joke about color anyway, like you are isolated with someone who you've never been isolated around before. And they say something despicably bigoted. They use a racial slur, uh, and this is not a like exclusively white thing either. Um, people of all races are prone to do this. It's just that they don't say something about your race or their race, but they say something racist. They disparage a group, um, an out group, a group to which neither of you are a part. Um, I find this happens with Jewishness a lot. Many people think because my name is Brian McCauley, I am like through and through Irish. Uh, and at least half of me is. Uh, but also in my lineage, in part on my mother's side, I am in part an Ashkenazi Jew. People do not suspect that about me. So they will sometimes, you know, and again, this is something that, that hasn't happened to me in a little while that I can think of, but they will say something anti-Semitic around me. And in that moment, uh, I feel disgusted. I'm disgusted by this person. Uh, I would be disgusted anyway. You know, it's not personal. Anyone with a vague sense of the history of the Jewish people has to be revolted when they encounter that. But people do it, and sometimes I have confronted them. I have expressed what I felt upon hearing that. Other times I let it go, because I don't know what to say. I've had bosses say anti-Semitic things to me. This happened to me at two jobs, and in both cases, it was a boss who was a white woman. And in one case, it was a person who had multiple college degrees and thought of herself as extremely progressive. That person bemoaned the Jewish control of Hollywood to me. 
and I gave her the slightest bit of pushback over it. You know, again, a boss. Um, it's not somebody I felt comfortable challenging. But I did. Uh, I pushed back on it, and she clearly did not care for it. It was obvious that she was surprised, um, and I did not press the issue. And maybe I should have. I don't know. Uh, I probably should have. But it was hard to see what um, it was hard to see what I would accomplish in that circumstance. I mean, she wasn't the owner of the company. I guess if I really felt strongly about it, I I could have taken it to um, to either her immediate boss or the person who owned the company. But uh, again, I didn't. You know, at the time, it felt like I had to keep working with the person, and that uh, it would be a net bad for me to to push. Um, I don't know. I'd say, like, anti-black racism of the sort that people are talking about very often right now. I've experienced that less as an adult, but I heard it as a kid a lot uh, in Massachusetts where I grew up. I found Massachusetts to be an extremely racist place to grow up. You know, uh, and I, I, I would not have confronted those people. I, I mean, I, I guess... I would have been confronting those people at my own peril. I might get punched in the face for being an anti-racist in some contexts when I was a kid, uh, where the people did not like it. Um, you know, uh, my family was not that way. My parents did not teach me those values. Uh, and I didn't grow up to be a person like that. And that I, I was contented with that. Um, but back to my hypothetical about Applebee's, which is what's important. So I go in Applebee's and I'm just there to eat uh, smoky mozzarella stuffed ravioli with grilled chicken, perhaps. Or maybe a quesadilla burger, which is part burger, part quesadilla, according to the menu that I'm looking at right now. Part quesadilla, part burger, all taste, says the website. Or maybe an oriental chicken salad wrap. <laughs> That sounds racist to me. There are actually two chicken wraps with that prefix on the website. Uh, there's also two fucking salads that are called that. Or Oriental Chicken Salad. That's four items on a not even very large menu. Be better, Applebee's. Live up to your own statement. Applebee's, get it together, baby! But the point of this hypothetical, let's get back to it. So I'm in Applebee's. Um... How do I know that my server is not a racist? And more importantly, how how does it reflect on me as a person? Um, you might not think very much at all, but consider, if I go in there every week and uh, say I have a rapport with this particular server, say it's a pretty girl and I have a crush on her. And I tip her like 25% every time, which I think of as a lot. And I think of it as like a nice flirtatious thing with this server, which maybe draws into question its own problems. But anyway, uh, this has happened to me in life. When I was like 18, I really wanted to ask out this beautiful girl who worked at the local Subway. Remember Jared from Subway? He's inspired a lot of people. Uh, this wasn't the Jared era who I, I, I thought of myself as flirting with a lot, and I, I never had the courage to do it. <laughs> I often wonder what happened to her, uh, what became of this. I think her name was Jenny. I wonder what became of this person. 
Uh, I eventually stopped going there. And years later, I ran into her and she was working in an Adidas store. And honestly, it felt like running into somebody you used to have a thing with, even though that thing had been entirely in my own mind. Subway. Eat fresh. But yeah, say I have this waitress, a waitress like that, at Applebee's, and I go there for a long time, blah, blah, blah. Let's say 18 months. You know, I'm in there like once a week, twice a month, whatever. And uh, so anyway... I pick up my local newspaper one day after all this time, which is the Orange County Register, which I guess would mean that I load it on my phone through their app one day, and I see that she has been arrested by the ATF and FBI as a member of an ultra-right-wing fascist hate group. Like, um, they're running guns and explosives or something, uh, which uh, could happen. Federal and state authorities have raided the Indiana home of the Subway restaurant spokesperson, Jarrett Fogel. I saw this not long ago. There was like a pretty girl who had been arrested for for being part of something like that. So um, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibilities. What if that happened? Would that make me a bad person for like having been into her? What if um, what if she was like very charming? What if she was charming, you know, what if she was a charming, low-key, racist, hate fascist? What would that say about me? Uh, and mind you, we imagine we had never discussed the issue. Uh, it had never come up in our, our rapport with one another. I'd never, uh, I'd never sussed out her um, feelings about people of a race apart from her own. Would that say anything about me? I don't know. I guess I would have to disavow her. I would have to write something about it on my Facebook, right? Till I get out in front of it. I would have to write an extremely long post that began with the words, you guys, wouldn't I? Like, you guys, this thing happened to me. And then describe the entire thing, you know, with maybe attaching the thing from the newspaper. I would probably have to do that, I think. The point of this is, I can never know. Um, I can never know that the strangers I deal with on a daily basis are not like this. Uh, this is always a danger. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be part of the world, this is definitely a danger. People like this exist in our society. I think their numbers are low. I don't think their numbers are high. But you would be a fool to imagine you never cross paths with them. Uh, you know. I've been to two stores today. It's like three in the afternoon. I've been out of my house once. I did two errands. Um, I guess at one of them I used self-checkout. But at one, I, at Target, I definitely went through the real line. Only at Target. And uh, I don't know anything about that person. You know, I was a checker. It was a woman. She was nice. When I started putting my things in the basket without bags, she said, no, no, wait, let me let me give you bags. But I don't know like what her, you know, um, I don't know if she harbors prejudice in her heart. I have no idea. Uh, and I have no way of knowing. So you'll understand um, that these statements from Applebee's or Target or whoever, I don't find them, I don't consider them to have a lot of force. It does not, and I, you know, I don't think it matters how much Applebee's tries to weed out bigots from their hiring process. It'll never be that hard to hide your true prejudices to attain that job. 
Uh, it's just not going to work that way. So ultimately, no, I cannot say that Applebee's statement about their corporate values has much meaning for me. I don't think it will lead to progressive social change. You know, I, I think that's possible right now. I think we might be headed for progressive social change. I don't think this, um, this statement from Applebee's is going to do it. You have to taste it to believe it. I believe it. I can dig it. I don't think it'll even change my personal experience of devouring an order of their double crunch bone-in wings in one of their restaurants. So I can only speculate that they are issuing this statement at this time for some other purpose. But what do you think? Um, what is your view on this? Uh, I would love to hear from you on the 24-hour Cat Sounds hotline. I'm sorry to report, um, it seems like a lot of you have been practicing the first rule of Fight Club as pertains to the 24-hour Cat Sounds voicemail hotline, meaning that I am not receiving voicemails or texts. But I urge you to break that pattern this week. Why don't you give a call? to the 24-hour Cat Sounds voicemail hotline at 949-484-9724. That number again, 949-484-9724. Leave a message or text it. I'll use it on the show. What's stopping you? What is stopping you? Let's do it. Moving right along here on the Cat Sounds podcast. I want to introduce a new segment on the show now. I feel like I say that very often. Um, your podcast can't be going extremely well if you're always introducing new segments. It tends to uh, imply that what you're doing isn't working. But anyway, this segment is called Mea Culpa. Mea Culpa. It's Latin. You can Google it, but basically it means I'm sorry. It's an acknowledgement of one's fault. I think in Latin it means through my fault or error. And in this segment, I will be acknowledging my own errors. Obviously, this won't be a regular segment. No, you can instead expect it to be an extremely rare one. For I am very rarely wrong. But uh, I, I had said last week, I think it was last week, uh, whenever, I had implied that I did not like this new show on HBO Max called Love Life, starring Anna Kendrick. I'm, I'm Augie, by the way. Darby. Furby? Darby. Darby. Yeah, Sorry, I know. Darby. No, I've gotten Furby before. But I kept watching it. I was, I was incorrect. It is actually a pretty good show, and uh, I'm kind of surprised to say that, I don't usually like stuff like this. I, I like her. I think she's funny. She's been in some good movies and stuff. I don't usually like shows... Um, this seems like it would be the archetyp archetypal show of a certain kind of show that are like just about people who are young, dating, or rather um, about like a young protagonist and their dating life. You see this stuff turn up on HBO a lot. I, I tend to find it extremely boring. 
you know, I don't mind shows about young people or about, you know, and I don't mind when those shows feature them dating. But these shows, I mean, it, this show was described to me as a romantic comedy, which used to only be a genre of movie. But I, I realize that it is also a TV genre now, um, and I don't like it. I, I don't <laughs> favor it. Um, and I'm not wrong about that. Uh, but I was wrong to think that this wasn't a good show. Um, I mean, lo so Love Life is this uh, uh, anthology series where um, the first season is me and every episode is one relationship, whether that relationship is six years or a one night stand, like each episode is a half an hour. And um, I think it's just like a really interesting prism through which to see somebody's life and the way that they grow. There are a lot of things that are like really um, unique about this show, even if it does sort of have a lot in common with old. Sh I mean, it's not it's about a young woman living in New York, um, starting kind of like starting off her adult life, you know, so she's like getting situated in her career and mostly dating Um going in and out of relationships and whatnot. So in that way, it's not way different than like sex. The thing it's most like is probably sex in the city, which I was not a huge fan of. Uh, you know, I watched probably the first two years of sex in the city, maybe the first three. I had a girlfriend when I was like, right coming out of high school. Um, I've dated many women who really like that show. But I had one particular girlfriend who, this was like during the era of DVDs, and I remember her being sick. She was sick with like the flu, um, and she was really into that show. And I, I bought her the, the first few DVDs, and we watched them. Even though I think I had seen it independently of that before that, but I mean, that was like my biggest experience with that show. And um, honestly, probably because that relationship did not work out for me. <laughs> that may have something to do with why I'm not a huge fan of Sex and the City. It's, it wasn't altogether bad, you know. Yeah, I, do, I don't think it was the product of, like, untalented writing or performing. It was, it was a perfectly quality show at what was an all-around good time for HBO. It was fine. But I never really, I definitely never cared about all of, like, that fashion stuff or the sex parts of it. Um, to the extent I have any interest in fashion or sex, that show did not scratch that itch for me but yeah i mean the show kind of uh is in the creative vein of of sex and city and other things too it's not like I, I guess it is the cultural inheritor of mary tyler moore or that girl with marlo thomas i didn't watch girls i've never seen it that was on hbo the lena dunham thing uh, i definitely need to catch up on why it was problematic uh, I'm a decade behind that controversy. Um, I listened to uh, an interview with Sam Boyd, who is the creator of Love Life. Uh, and the interviewer in that case mentioned Felicity, which I guess this maybe is a little bit like if you ever saw that back when that was on the WB. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that the creator of this show is a man that a man can create a show about the romantic life of a woman in 2020. Uh, the show has women writers, but it just, it seemed recently like you had to be Frankie Shaw to create a show like this. Hi, I'm Frankie Shaw, creator and star of Smilf, my show on Showtime. Uh, like she did with Showtime's Smilf. Although... <laughs> 
Following allegations of on-set misconduct by Frankie Shaw, Showtime has chosen not to renew her critically acclaimed comedy Smilf for a third season. I suppose that experiment in premium cable TV did not work out spectacularly either. So go figure. But I mean, basically what this guy Sam Boyd said in this interview I heard was that he's a man and he brings these things to the writer's room and they work it out. And maybe that's why the product seems real. Um, I, I mean, I guess like one of the better things about TV is that it is a collaborative process. So um, even when it's like really singularly one person's vision, just the fact that they have a writer's room, I think um, maybe is one of the reasons that TV seems better than film now. I mean, it, it kind of goes through this process of being reality tested by other writers that it, at the same time, it, I don't know. Development for film is also kind of a long process, uh, but you're dealing a lot more with like producers and um, I don't know, people, people who like see themselves as working in a creative field, even though they, they don't really have a creative credit to their name, but this is a good show. I mean, to, at least to me, the product here seems real, and I, I think maybe that's that, it, that that has to do with it mostly being about someone's flaws. Um, and that's not to say like that this show is about an especially flawed person. Uh, the main character, her name is Darby, that Andrew Ken, a, Andra, Anna Kendrick plays. Um, she does not seem like an especially flawed person. She's a pretty ordinary person. But it doesn't really, like, uh, I don't know, She um, it, it doesn't really hide her flaws, which I think other shows kind of do, or, or perhaps have. You know, certainly, I, I would compare it again to Sex and the City in that way. I always thought that, like, Sarah Jessica Parker, Carrie, on that show, she had, like, a perfect understanding and, like, narrative of her own life and, like, what was happening to her in real time. And I think the format kind of lent itself to that, that she was, like, this writer who writes about these things happening to her. But there was, like, too much of that on that show to me. I never had the feeling watching that show that, like, oh, anything could happen. You know, and that might have something to do with the fact that that character was, like, a little bit older than the character here. Um... Maybe like, a, I don't know what age she was supposed to be on that show, like in her 30s or 40s, but people in their 30s or 40s tend to surprise you a little bit less than people in their 20s do. And as a person who's 37, I, I can definitely say I've gotten less and less surprising as I have matured into more and more of an adult. But what's going on in this show definitely all feels very real to me. Um... I think it's less shallow than Sex and the City. And it's possible that TV is just less shallow than it was 20 years ago. But it felt like there was more to it than that going on here. Uh, Darby. Furby? Darby. Is an imperfect human being. She makes some questionable choices. And sometimes they're funny. Other times they can be pretty tragic. And I think real life is like that. At least my real life is like that. Um, one thing that romantic comedy does that I think other kinds of comedy don't do especially well is that it can kind of straddle that line between funny and serious. Um, 
I also think this show challenges an orthodoxy of dating that is pretty overdue for challenging. And that is the notion that people enter into the same relationship over and over again. I think this was once a shallow concept. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think this was once expressed as a shallow concept in that you would hear that people had a type, you know, what, what's your type? What kind of type of person do you date? And I, I feel like that's gone. I don't really hear that. I, I mostly haven't heard that in my adult life. I, I hear it a lot more in like 80s movies and heard it more as a kid. Um, I, I can only think of one time in the last 15 years somebody's asked me what my type was. I th- But I think this concept lives on. Uh, and I think it's expressed now in like modern therapy culture. It's evolved into something more like the notion that people are forever replaying the same patterns unless they learn from their mistakes, like in Greek tragedy or something, you know, uh, like in Oedipus, but, but not Oedipal, not to be confused with things which are Oedipal, but nevertheless, owing something to to what is best expressed to me in the play Oedipus Rex. I think this is too often the case on TV, but one of the reasons for that is that TV tends to be extremely fucking repetitive. That used to kind of only be true in things that were the same every week, like procedurals, but it definitely is still true in like prestige TV time. Even on The Sopranos, which is maybe my favorite show, very possibly my favorite show of like the prestige TV era, Tony Soprano's affairs and the ancillary drama they caused with his wife, Carmela, became extremely predictable at a certain point. Where do you get off acting all surprised and miffed when there are women on the side? You know, the, the only solace that I took in that was that they became kind of less and less central to what was happening on the show over time. Um, and you know, for real people, there is some truth to that. Some people's experience in relationships, you know, some, some people, sometimes when you look at somebody else's experience, at least it does seem like they're going through the same thing over and over again. Um, but I think that's more like they're encountering similar problems over and over again. It doesn't mean that every relationship is the same over and over again. I think it really varies, you know, uh, certainly when I look at my own past with relationships, it seems like it's pretty varied, you know, um, I can think of people, I mean, I can think of like shared qualities that maybe people I've dated have had. Um, but even then, like not really, you know, I can't really think of like, I, I probably couldn't tell you like five things that every woman I've ever been in a relationship have had in common. Uh, and if I could, they, they wouldn't be things that differentiated those women from most women. Right. And I think that's really kind of what's on display in this show. Uh, one of the reasons maybe for that is that there are only 10 episodes of love life. So where you're going to show like a lot of different relationships over 10 episodes, maybe you can't really be repetitive, but either way, I thought this show really did that correctly. I think that this character has a lot of very different experiences with different men on this show and that that makes it unlike shows that I have seen before. And I watched the whole thing, which is good news. So I recommend it. 
there was late breaking news as I was about to go to air for this podcast, meaning as, as I was about to like sit down and record it on my laptop, which is that HBO, because until the late breaking news, there was such a thing as HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, and HBO Max. And some of those things overlapped with other of those things. And some didn't. And apparently there's going to be some change to that, which is much overdue. Um, I think there's no longer going to be something called HBO Go, at, at least. Um, HBO Go was just like how you accessed HBO not on your TV if you subscribed to HBO through a cable provider. HBO Now was what you had if you subscribed to HBO not through a cable provider. So HBO Go and HBO Now never overlapped, but like everything else fucking did. I don't know. Um, More on that later. Uh, Hopefully now there's only HBO and HBO Max. That would like if it's if if this news means anything other than that, they're still doing it wrong and they're still going to have to make a change. Uh, but it was unclear. I, I just saw the headline on Variety. I did not read the story. Um, anyway, that's our show for this week. That concludes episode four of the Cat Sounds podcast. Again, I really would urge you with all of my being to call the Cat Sounds 24-hour voicemail hotline at 949-484-9724. Leave a message, send a text to it. I'd like to thank myself for doing a great job. I cleaned the kitchen floor this week. I'd like to thank myself for mopping the kitchen floor this week. It was long overdue. Our music this week was The Birth of Chirality from Hexagonal Awareness. Check them out on YouTube. I hope you had a good week. Hope you're staying sane as the the summer really gets started here. And uh, that's all.